This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast. Today's special guest is Dr. Laura Anderson. She is a psychotherapist and an expert on the subject of religious trauma. She wrote the incredible book, When Religion Hurts You. And today we're talking about the intersection between religious trauma and political discourse. This is something that I don't step my toe into very often. The conversation around politics is one that I try to avoid in public settings. But enough people have been talking about this issue that I thought it would be a good time to have Dr. Laura Anderson on to discuss how political discourse, specifically in this case in the United States, affects people who've been traumatized within fundamentalist religious communities. It's a really fascinating conversation. We don't want to get too much into this side versus that side, but we do want to talk about the effects of seeing the political conversation happening in the context of religious trauma. I really hope you appreciate this episode. If you don't want to hear anything about politics, you want to skip that entirely, go ahead and skip this episode. It may not be the one for you, but uh, I really hope you appreciate this episode. And before we get into it, I do want to remind you, you can get early access to several episodes of the Preacher Boys podcast through Patreon. Just visit patreon.com slash preacher boys to get exclusive content, including some merch and things of that nature. 
early access to upcoming episodes and some behind-the-scenes photos here and there of the Preacher Boys podcast journey. So thank you so much for everyone who does support the show. You help me create the content like this every single week. And now we're releasing two episodes every week with a main interview episode every Sunday and a shorter episode with some commentary on every Wednesday. So be sure to stay tuned. I'm so excited about everything that's happening with the Preacher Boys podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all in future episodes. But for now, here's my conversation with Dr. Laura Anderson on religious trauma. This conversation is really important because we are entering the political, well, we're already neck deep in political craziness all the time. And I know that there is some crossover between political cycles and politics in the news, politics at family dinners that ties all into the fun world of religious trauma. And I mentioned before we hit record on this that Uh, The two conversations I've had you talk about, which uh, they'll hear one now, and they're going to hear one in a couple weeks about deconstruction, they both are just landmine topics. Politics and deconstruction. I'm glad you're here waiting through all of that (laughs) with me. Um, Let's talk about politics and religious trauma. Just in a very like 10,000-foot view, why do you think it's important to have a conversation about politics in light of religious trauma? Yeah, I think what we're starting to see and what we have been seeing for the last eight to 10 years, like very overtly, is what we what we might call like a marriage between religion and politics, sure. uh, where we start to see religious leaders not only getting involved, but driving policy, uh, driving campaigns, whether that is through very specific messaging or through donations and funds. We're also seeing this weird thing happen that even though uh, churches are nonprofits, you know, don't have to pay taxes, are not supposed to like promote specific political candidates or, you know, messages or things like that, uh, we're, we're, that kind of has disappeared. And, and a lot of churches are the, the grounds for campaigns and for people to spread whatever message they, whatever political message it is that they want. Um, so yeah, we're starting to see it a lot. I, I think it, we really started to see kind of the the rumblings of what we knew would be big in 2015. And um, I think between that and the actual political election cycle in 2016 and social media, we started to see a lot of people um, that were inside of high control religions that had given their whole lives to this, that believed in God with all their heart, their their entire life was revolved around God. And we saw a lot of people becoming, of these people becoming disillusioned. They were watching their uh, pastors and spiritual leaders promote a candidate that didn't fit um, Jesus, that that was in some ways the opposite of who Jesus was, his character. And I think a lot of people took a step back and said, gosh, that's not what I grew up believing. And, and that's not who I gave my life up to, to follow. And so we started to see kind of a mass exodus happen out of a lot of different high control religions and churches uh, and other religious organizations due to a lot of disillusionment with what was happening. And from that point, we started to then see those political messages just ramp up Mm -hmm. even more. Yeah. And here we are eight years later. Yeah. No, I know for myself, 
you know, the Trump campaign was such a, I was already, you know, I was deconstructing in terms of, I was still a Christian, but was very much finding myself feeling just more and more lonely because I felt like, again, the Jesus that I was experiencing. And I think a Jesus that I would still be drawn to would was a Jesus that was not represented within evangelical Christianity at large, and particularly not the fundamentalist circles that I was rubbing up against. Mm-hmm. And I know the Trump uh, election cycle for me fast-tracked a lot of that because I was seeing people who I had thought were relatively sane individuals now discarding tenets of their faith in favor of political gain or political Mm -hmm. power and throwing out ethics and moral stances that they would hold to strongly in other ways now being soft on those things. It was a very bizarre time. And again, I don't want to spend much of the conversation diving into like parties and people. I just wanted to say for me, that was a big piece of that. And I know for many, it was like, Mm -hmm. we know this Uh, to be true. And also many people were activated politically that weren't. So there's two sides of this Mm -hmm. coin that we could talk about. Yeah. And I think ultimately what it led up to is where we're at today, where something shifted between 2020 and 2024 in Mm -hmm. that um, people who traditionally would not have considered themselves Christians Mm -hmm. um, started identifying as Christians because the values that are being promoted um, Mm. in Christianity are the political values of a specific party. And so they're going, oh, hey, well, if I believe, if if this is what I believe, well, then I must be a Christian. And so they're conflating the two. And so I think that there's been a lot of confusion in that respect as well. And so when we talk about the trauma piece of it, um, we're not necessarily talking about like traumatized by politics or, you know, anything like that. We're talking about the physiological impacts, the triggers, the disconnect in relationships, the, you know, not the uncertainty of how to trust yourself and, and whatnot. That's what we're really starting to see. It, it can cause a lot of activation and frustration and panic and, and mental health disorders because that are ramping up because this is just such a bizarre time. Uh, we faced it in 2020. We're facing it again here. And um, it's very activating. Yeah. I, I know I had you do this for the last episode we recorded, but I, I want to establish this here as well. When you say trauma, can you give your definition of trauma for people listening? So we're all on the same page for this yeah. conversation because <laughs> as many landmines as we can step on, I want to avoid uh, right. just by defining some of these terms. So when you say trauma, how do you define trauma? Yeah. The little quippy definition I use is trauma is not the thing that happened to you, but it is the way that your body and nervous system responds to the thing that happens to you. And typically trauma is going to be anything that is too much, too fast, too soon, that overwhelms your ability to cope and come back to a place of safety. Um, So we would look at, you know, religious abuse an adverse religious experience, you know, the impact of X, Y, or Z as the thing that happens to you and whether or not it results in trauma is dependent on how your body and nervous system kind of receives and responds to that. No, I love that definition. And I think it's important to establish that because I think, again, 
you know, I, I half joke that, you know, there's landmines in these conversations, but I think even just having a good starting point is going to help us have a productive discussion that will be heard more than shut down immediately where people go, Hey, so-and-so is a snowflake and let's talk about, you know, like this, this thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good starting point. Um, in preparation for this conversation, I put out a little impromptu survey in my Facebook group and just asked three questions. I said, Number one, how do politics and political discourse affect you in light of religious trauma, if they do at all? Um, Have your political viewpoints changed since leaving a high-control religious group? And do you find partisan politics frustrating, and does it feel culty to you? Um, I had 57 people that responded, which Mm -hmm. was good. Um, And the responses were all over, um, but there was a lot of consistency. within the answers, surprise, surprise, um, in these experiences, there were some that said that they didn't feel it affected them at all. Um, there were some who said that they don't identify any issues, but the overwhelming majority of people gave a lot of things that affected them that were synchronized with their religious experience that felt a little bit more severe because of religious experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really fascinating reading some of those responses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious from you and I can give you some answers that I got because I'm sure you'd like yeah. to know those as you're doing this, but yeah, that was um, my first thought. I was like, I'm curious to well, know. Here, I'll give you a couple yeah. and then I'll yeah. see if this relates to some of the things you've seen. Um, so for the first question, how do politics and political discourse affect you in light of religious trauma, if they do at all? Um, here's a couple of the answers. Someone said, I can't handle anyone shouting. If there's shouting happening in political discourse, I'm checked out immediately. Uh, someone said, sometimes certain talking points or speech style remind me of being in church and hearing a sermon and it's uncomfortable. Uh, I find politics and political discourse frustrating. I struggle to sort my thoughts into a well-thought comment on the fly and political discourse can pop up at unplanned times. It can Mm. be pretty unnerving. Uh, Politics and political discourse in general causes me to have panic attacks because it was integral in my IFB upbringing, which was 100% conservative nationalist cult of Trump uh, who absolutely terrifies me mindset. Mm. Um, I have a distrust for anyone behind a pulpit or lectern talking as if they know best. Um, seeing Christians justify politicians behavior, no matter what they do is triggering for me. Um, the whole subject matter feels inflammatory and too emotionally charged with right versus wrong and a lot of virtue signaling. And a lot of people use politics as an extension of religious standards. That's just a couple of the comments, but you can see just in that list, Mm -hmm. the similarities and the crossover points there. So how much does that reflect what you've seen dealing with clients or having just, general research on this topic. Yeah. I I mean, personally, I resonated with so many responses. Um, and I can say like, as, as a therapist and as a coach, I I've heard all of those same sentiments many times from my clients. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'm even going back to the pandemic when everybody was confused and nobody quite knew like, what is this and how do we treat it and things like that. One of the things that came up the most was um, for many people, this was the first time that they were making decisions for themselves Mm -hmm. without looking to a higher power or a higher authority to tell them what to do. And so it was not only triggering to have to make that because they didn't know how to make decisions for themselves. But then it was also triggering when they would hear pastors and other people weighing in as experts 
you know, and telling him this is what you have to do, or this is the most mm -hmm. godly or biblical or, or whatever thing. And, and that was coming from religious leaders and political leaders and they were, but they were intermixing them together. So that mm -hmm. was extremely confusing of what, you know, like, why is my pastor saying the same thing as my politician and, and all of those things. Mm -hmm. The other thing I hear over and over, and this causes so much grief in relationships really is the divide that has been happening. Mm -hmm. And this was something that uh, like psychological communities caught onto very, very quickly after the 2016 election. Um, and they started, they jumped right into research to talk about like how have relationships been impacted? Because what we are seeing was that when Trump was elected president, the divisiveness between families, like there was a div an ever-growing divide where it felt impossible to interact on almost every issue um, because everything was so politically charged and people were not able to see outside of um whatever your political party is defines the totality of who you are. Yeah. And so we are seeing a lot of disconnect and therefore a lot of grief because a lot of people were taking deeply personally, okay, if you voted for this candidate who is against this type of person and that's me, like that means you voted against me. Yeah. Um, and so that's been something, I mean, ongoing S since then, like helping people renegotiate relationships or relearn relationships or how to deal with difference and still have relationship. That has been a huge theme of many people's work right. with myself or the other practitioners at CTRR. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and, and this is the first cycle, regardless of where you're on the political aisle, like the idea of the president being on social media and having having an uncurated look at their thought process mm -hmm. or seeing the engage or, or just social media in general like for yeah. the people who voted to be on yes. social media like we for better or for worse we're out of the fireside chat era where you right. get a curated here yeah. is the statement I think in many ways that's good, but in many ways that's been very bad. And yeah. I think one of the things, like you said, 
there's people who are seeing not just budgetary decisions being made. They're seeing moral judgments being made about entire swaths of people. So when you're sitting there and you're going, Hey, I'm friend with X and X voted for so-and-so. And I know because they posted about it on social media. Yeah. And now the person they voted for said this about this conflict in this area that involves my ethnicity, mm. or they said this about this group of people who have this sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much opportunity to feel marginalized, to feel left out and to feel like, does my friend actually like me <laughs> because mm-hmm. they voted for this person or does yeah. my pastor love me? Yeah in this flock when they're talking mm-hmm. about this issue. Um, I think that's a really interesting dynamic to be able to see in real time. Oh, here's yes. what everybody's thinking all the time when really before social media, like politics could be a talking point, Yeah, but it's not something that you're just seeing like the train of thought in real time going like, Oh, I yeah. love what so-and-so just said about this. I love what yeah. Biden said about this or Trump mm-hmm. said about this. It's a really unprecedented kind of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are. So yeah. I'm 28. For oh, the, are you? I'm okay. gonna let you guess. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm was tw- gonna, I was gonna say, I've, I've got a, a a few years on you though, at, le- at least a decade. I'm um, so bad with every like. I always just assume everybody's my age, and then we start talking, and I'm like, yeah. oh. No, it's totally fine because age is is pretty irrelevant. But the only reason that I'm asking it here is because I literally did grow up at in a time where I can visit. I I can even though I didn't know like the political issues of the day, like people stuck a sign in their yard and that was that, and it didn't impact your relationships. Of course, social media wasn't a thing at all. I know there's that weird. What the heck was that? It's a weird video thing that's been happening like through Zoom and I have no idea. It's okay. weird. Anyways, um uh yeah, I saw, so I, I sounded like such a boomer right there. What yeah. the heck is that thing that just popped up? I'm older than I like. Um, there we go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, so I I have very clear memories where, you know, you might know like, hey, my partner or my neighbor or this other family member or whatever, we voted differently, but it it didn't actually impact the relationship. There was still spaciousness. And, and more than anything, you were not defined by this one label, Mm -hmm. uh, who you were an ally to, or who you weren't or anything like that. Now there are other many problematic things of that time. So I don't want to like glorify it and say it was the best. Let's go back to that. But I do remember a time where it was like that. And so I Mm -hmm. I've lived enough life to see, wow, that was a huge transition. And I think part of the problem of this is that we now, because of social media and the way that things have changed, especially over the last eight years, is that we are so inclined to defining a person by one single issue or a single stance. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we are expected to have opinions on everything immediately. So there's no time to do research. There's no time to listen to actual experts on different Mm -hmm. topics. There's no time to just sit back and be like, what do I actually think? Or could we see how this plays Mm -hmm. out? Or could I have a minute to breathe? We are constantly inundated with crises, which I don't think our nervous systems are built for that. And, And then we are expected to rally and advocate and, and do this day after day, month after month, year after year. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, take 
again, take a hundred years ago. I'm fascinated by this conversation all the time of like, think about longer than a hundred years ago now, but think about 150 years ago. If there's a fire and it's a enough miles away, like even in the same state, you'll yeah. never know that fire happened unless yeah. someone rides their horse and into your you. <laughs> area and tells you there was a fire. Yeah. And now we live in a time where the fact that it was like Hamas landing at a festival is live streamed and yes. we're instantly going, okay, now I'm seeing something that is traumatic to see in general, Yes, mm -hmm. but also then I'm seeing it shared by this pastor who's tying it to end times prophecy yeah. in the same thing. Like to unpack all of that is so much like you said for our central nervous system, like we're overloaded yeah. with information yes. we're like literally think about again 150 years ago you might know 200 people yeah. and that's how many people you will interact with in your lifetime mm -hmm. and now you have millions of people mm -hmm. that are expecting a response from all the rest of the millions yeah. of people it's a yeah. very bizarre time yeah and so as that pertains to politics then we start to then again see that divide growing larger and larger mm -hmm. where we say hey in order to be a true ally a true democrat a true republican you post these things you say these <laughs> things you yeah. there's a certain phrase that you have you do it this many times per day yep. at this volume and then you're truly this person but it's what you're doing is you're really like shaving down the complexity of each human. Like we are not just one belief. Um, and to, to assume that whoever we're in relationship with has to hold all of the same beliefs that we do. I mean, that's impossible. We would be hermits because nobody believes. I mean, even my best friend does not believe yeah. all the same things that I do. Even um, I don't believe everything that I probably believe. If I'm, yes! if I start playing devil's advocate, I start going, <laughs> No, I don't like I'll sit there. I don't know if you do this, but I'll sit there and I'll say something in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of my mind goes, but what about this? And starts yeah. going back and forth. And yeah. I'm like, I don't even agree with myself based yeah. on the time yeah. of day, you know, yeah. <laughs> with some of these topics. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so when we tie it to religious trauma, so, so many of us who were in a part of or grew up in fundamentalist systems mm -hmm. baked into that culture is a very much like an us versus them. Yeah. And, and with that is danger equals, uh, sorry, difference equals danger. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's different than me, whether it's in a thought, a belief, an action, a higher power, a relationship, if they're yeah. different, they are dangerous, which then also, it, it's not always said, but it's implied that it gives me carte blanche to be able to treat them in whatever way I think or the group thinks is best because of this difference. Um, and so I think that that right there then can cause us who have come out of that and we're in this very kind of tumultuous uh, cultural moment, we go, I... I don't know what to say. I, I don't want to be othered. I don't want to be us versus them. I don't want to lose relationships. I don't want to, um, you know, be the odd man out. And yet I'm expected to make proclamations that I don't know that I'm qualified to make, or maybe I don't even right. want to make them. And, and that to me feels very much like church. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, of like, I have to be on board with this. This is everything I stand for because that's what the label means. And that can be deeply triggering. Well, think about church in terms of how often the phrase was said when I was growing up where it was enjoying fellowship with like-minded believers. Yes. And I feel like if anything defines the political systems now, it's finding fellowship with like-minded believers. And that's fueled and protected by our algorithms. That's fueled and protected by our, uh, I mean, our religious affiliations that's defined by our family gatherings, you know, like, again, we're in a time where you're in group chats with family members who have totally polarizing views that are sending stuff that they see in their feed, which you're like, that is crazy. Like, why are you sending that to me? And I, I guess this kind of leads into this next part, which is with how much I would say the majority of people's identity is intertwined with politics and it does feel like a religion to people. And in many ways it is where the political candidate of whatever stripe they are is the Messiah to them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find healthy relationships with people when, again, especially for people now, like tying to religious mm-hmm. trauma that are deconstructing and beliefs yeah. are changing constantly. Yeah. How do you find people that are safe to have these conversations with or to be safe to not have conversations with where they're not demanding you to have an opinion on every little thing. Yeah. So I would say that's a pretty complex answer, but also something that I have found many people are trying to figure out. Um, And so sometimes there's some just definition uh, reframing of like, what does healthy mean to me? What does safe mean to Mm. me? Like, I can feel very safe in a conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with me as long as they're not like taking below the belt shots or as long as they're not trying to shame me. And so I think part of it is tuning into like, what does it actually mean to be in safe relationship? Does it mean that they have to agree with me? I have a, a a good girlfriend of mine who believes different on almost every single issue there ever could be than I do. And yet we've been friends for 13 years because we respect one another and we're curious and we don't cut each other off and we, you know, talk and we're genuinely interested in what the other person has to say. So we don't agree on things, but we can still be friends. That works for me. Maybe it doesn't work for other people, but I think that if we allow ourselves to consider what is the, you know, like, what do we actually need to feel safe in a relationship? It may not necessarily need to be sameness. Um, and, And that that's an important piece. I think. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to ask this question and I don't know if it'll make sense, (laughs) but I'm curious because it's been on top of mind lately. 
we all have heard the cliche story of the person who grows up very fundamentalist and then goes off the proverbial deep end. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, it's the sermon illustration person, you know, where it's like, <laughs> now they're this, now they're doing this, now they're whatever the egregious thing is that you point to. Mm-hmm. Some things we might know are not so egregious, but I, I don't want to talk about the actions themselves, mm-hmm. but I do want to talk about the mindset of reactionary kind of life where like the church that I couldn't, so I'm going to, mm-hmm. and I, I get concerned when I see that because I think you're still letting the church control you when yes. you're living your life in reaction to, and to spite other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see this happen politically as well, mm-hmm. where people leave the church and they know the church was against all of these issues. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't want to get into the specific issues because I think right. some are right, but people go to them for the wrong reason because sure. they want to do it again. Yes. It's the screw you mom and dad mentality mm-hmm. applied to the church at large. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you counsel people to not be reactionary in their stances? Um, because I think it's easy to say, I'm going to go do this protest, even though I don't know much about the situation, I'm going to go run in and and do this because the church would not want me to, (laughs) you know, like how do you, how do you kind of take ownership of your own beliefs and not be living in a way that's reactionary, whether political, Mm -hmm. religious, or the messy middle of the two? Yeah. So I would say simply doing the opposite of like what you were taught does not mean that you're a critical thinker or does not mean that you have actually left fundamentalism. You are still being kind of quote unquote controlled by okay, what I'll other give you the clap on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> but why? But Uh, by what other people would say is right or wrong. It's just on the other side of the spectrum. Mm. So um, sometimes that oftentimes is the natural starting point for most people to say, okay, my church believed X, I'm going to believe Y. They stood for one, I'm standing for two, you know, like whatever that is. And, And that I think can be a gut inclination because in high control religions, we are not taught how to think. We are only taught what to think. So we don't automatically have critical thinking skills, self-awareness, curiosity coming out of those systems. We actually have to develop that. Hmm. But but in the meantime, we often end up swinging to the other side of the spectrum. It is much much harder to find a balancing place because it requires time and thought and energy and examination and and curiosity, self-awareness, critical thinking. It means that everything may not be wrapped up in this pretty package with a bow. It means that things are messy and they almost always will be. Hmm. And that's the harder place to land. It's the harder place to be because it isn't squeaky clean. And we as humans don't like things Things that are uncertain. Yep. We like stability, security, and safety. And dare I say, we thrive in those spaces, um, like when we have that accessible to us in relationships. But um, yeah, but interestingly, sameness isn't something we need in order to no. thrive. You know, unless we're told that. right. Yeah, it's like we we thrive in terms of it's a frictionless life. Right. But it's not friction is a good and necessary thing. So it's kind of like. It's kind of like the conversation we had in our future episode that's coming out about (laughs) purity culture in terms of it's harder to identify immediate damage done to men in purity culture because the outward damage is so heavily focused on women. However, 
to say that men are going through it un, unaffected and that the teaching is not also toxic to them is just ignorant. And I think that's the same with this conversation is that when you're in a group of people who are like-minded and identical to you, you're going to have a lot of really fun conversations and feel really excited most of the time and not going to get upset very often because it's a bunch of yes men who acknowledge and identify with your belief. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is you're never challenging those beliefs. And I think this is like the messy thing that happens between fundamentalists and deconstructionists is I see both sides of that tend to go, I'm shutting off all dialogue with anyone who disagrees. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm never going to speak to a religious person again or vice versa. I'm never going to speak to someone who questions my beliefs because the Bible said so, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, where do you have that healthy conversation in the middle? And this kind of leads to my next question. I think this is where, like, I think some of the resources you're working on kind of fall into this realm, Mm -hmm. but for people who are like sitting here going, okay, the system's messed up. Like I've been listening to this episode and okay, everything's really bad and on fire. And like, what do we do? Like, how do you even start dismantling all of the misconceptions that come along with your political upbringing, Mm -hmm. your religious upbringing, again, the messy middle Mm -hmm. in between the two of those Mm -hmm. and start again, reclaiming healthy relationships, healthy outlook on these systems. And like being able to go onto social media without consistently just being upset and angry Mm -hmm. that everything's on fire or at least seemingly so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I put together a course of just religious trauma in the election cycle aimed at addressing some of these things that you're talking about, because in, in my mind, like, it is not my job to tell you who to vote for or sway you towards a That's your pastor's candidate. job. Right? So just yeah, find out what pastor. he wants you to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My that that's it's something I'm very uninterested in being right. a part of. I don't want to be a part of that decision for you. Um, but I do also recognize that because of the ways that we were taught and how we lived and thought inside of these high control religious systems it's it's bleeding out into you know the election cycle and it can be very devastating triggering disconnecting and so my I believe my whole job, what what I want to do is to give resources towards that, to help people learn how to trust themselves, to help people learn how to have boundaries, how to have conversations with people that they don't necessarily agree with on every single issue. Um, You know, just different strategies for navigating religious trauma triggers within um, this election cycle. And I think every single person is going to be a little bit different in terms of like, what does it look like for them as they're sitting with this weird marriage of religion and politics and the messiness in between, like you said, there's going to be some people that, um, that they've already made a decision. Like, I'm just not going to talk to anybody who's believing or posting differently about me. And you know what, that might be the place that you're at for this election cycle. And that's okay. Part of what I think is so necessary that we can learn is how to trust ourselves. And then to be flexible with that, what your boundaries are for this election cycle may be very different than what they need to be in 2028. And so, you know, holding everything loosely, not making everything so rigid, um, but it is going to be very, very individualized in terms of like, what is it that you need to navigate this time? Yeah. 
Yeah. Does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. The only follow-up would be where do people find this course? Oh, yes. So, um, yeah. They're so sitting there ready to, yeah. to get it. Where do they get it? Yes. So I, uh, I founded and I'm the director of the Center for Trauma Resolution and Recovery. We are an online trauma coaching company uh, specializing in religious trauma, fundamentalism, cults, high control religions, all those really fun things that we're no, all dealing with. It's right? easy light reading. Yeah. 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 And so um, I, yeah, so I wanted to put together a course that people can take. It is uh, about 10 and a half months long. It start, started mid-February. It's all at your own pace. Uh, but new modules will drop every single month from now until the end of the year. Uh, it's super, I, I think it's super affordable. It's $275 for the entire course, or you can do $30 a month. We wanted to make it that rate because we wanted a resource that people could have access to. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to our website, traumaresolutionandrecovery.com, and you'll see a tab for the course, and that's where you can go to sign up. And really, the hope is not only to be able to learn more tools and skills, but there is going to be chances to dialogue with other people. Mm -hmm and to try some of these things out. Our goal with the course, again, is not to tell people who to vote for, is right. not to dissect issues. It is to just work through some of the tools that we might need, you know, and some of the triggers that do come up. And then it'll be chock full of resources. Um, every month you'll get at least one PDF with a bunch of different exercises that you can do. Um, there's going to be guest speakers, all, all the fun stuff. Um, but we're hoping to put that together because, you know, even though this is kind of like the third election cycle where we're seeing this really bizarre religious trauma plus, you know, politics thing, um, it just it's not quieting down. It's only getting louder. And um, and this is such a sticky, tender topic that um, it's hard to know where to look for resources without feeling like you could be ostracized for saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you creating a resource for this very thing. And I hope people go check it out. I'll have a link to that in the show notes of this episode. Um, and yeah, I hope this is not the last time we chat. I know you'll be yeah, uh, back yeah. on. People can hear more from you in just a couple of weeks after this episode. Um, but I hope they'll go check out the course. Um, last question as we wrap up, are you voting for Trump or Biden? In the <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll end there. We're going to, we're going to cut that. If you go to Patreon, we'll have that uh, uncut answer. There we go. Yeah. But, uh, but no, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's so good to be a part of this conversation. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by 
by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.